Vegas Nation podcast are sponsored by Station Casinos, STN Sports. Sign up for the app today and get a bonus of up to $500. You're listening to Vegas Nation. It's time for takeaways with me, Heidi Fang. Welcome, everybody, to the Takeaways edition of the Vegas Nation podcast. I'm your host, Heidi Fang, and we are brought to you by Station Casinos, STN Sports. Download the app today. Joining me, a good friend, friend of the show, somebody who we've had the pleasure of working with, hearing from all of the above. He continues to do great things for Pro Football Talk and PFT Life. It's Miles Simmons, everybody. Miles, how you doing today? I'm doing very well, Heidi. Always good to speak with you. How are you? Oh, I'm doing all right, man. And really excited to get into this week of Raiders football joint practices coming up with the 49ers. Those are always a great test for teams. And I want to start just right there. Just what do you feel like it means at this phase when teams begin competing against one another leading up to a preseason game and with the pads on, of course. Yeah, I think it's great. You know, at this point in camp, guys start to get a little annoyed with just going against one another. And so that's one aspect of it. You know, you, in some ways you bring in another team and you're kind of like preventing guys on your own team from fighting. Now, sometimes that means that fights will happen amongst two teams that may not get to see each other very much. And they may not like each other when they're just trying to get in and get work. But I, I think this is one of the valuable things that now has become more and more prominent around the league where you get these joint practices, you get these controlled situations. Um, and, and I think that it is, it's a very valuable tool that the Raiders can use and that the 49ers are going to be able to get to use. And, and it's kind of a good measuring stick, especially when you're an up and coming team and you're going to be going against a team that was in the NFC championship game last year, last two years, actually. Um, and then uh, a Super Bowl appearance, not the year before that, but in 2019. So this is a good measuring stick, I think, in this week for where are the Raiders right now in terms of implementing their systems. Um, and also just, you know, where are they in terms of being competitive? So, yeah, it should be a good couple of days um, for the Raiders and the 49ers. And it's interesting as well because you have Jimmy Garoppolo on the one hand who is now uh, had the pleasure of being on both of these teams and is yep. very familiar with a lot of the staff. I mean, do you think that might help buffer anything where intentions may rise or, or does that put Jimmy in a rock and a hard place in between them two? You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because uh, Jimmy Garoppolo obviously knows a lot of the personnel on the 49ers defense very, very well. But then again, you know, they've got a new defensive coordinator in Steve Wilkes. So they haven't reached a new deal with Nick Bosa. Uh, so I don't think we're going to see him this week. And also, you know, when you've got a guy like Hargrave who comes over there from the Eagles, that's another new personnel piece. So it's not going to be exactly the same thing that Jimmy Garoppolo will have faced in years past in practice in training camp and things like that but it, it is at least a scheme in general that he understands and he knows and is familiar with but when you're going against that with new personnel of your own right new wide receivers you've got a new offensive line that you're working with a play caller that you haven't worked with in a very long time it may take a little bit more of an adjustment period to say, okay, this is what we're doing against an opponent. And how are we going to deal with that? Especially when you're not necessarily scheming all that much um, for your couple of practices there. So it will be a good test, I think, for Jimmy Garoppolo in particular. 
And then also a preview because they're going to be doing this again with the Rams yes. a few week, a couple weeks after. So that'll be pretty interesting as well, that they're getting not just a look from another team in the 49ers, who, like you mentioned, has been at the top of the food chain when it comes to the NFC West and making the playoffs. And then you have the Rams as well, who have been that team aside from last year, you know, right. um, but as, as well. And another competitive look in, in facing another team like that. So yeah. um, that'll be another interesting look when it comes to Marcus Peters, I think, and how mm -hmm. he might look at a team that he's a, you know, a couple years removed from, but that uh, moved on from him. And, and now they have uh Marcus Peters as well. Yes. So for the Raiders, I think very interesting that they do have this twice. Do you feel like it's something, it's not really common that you see two different um, joint practices in a, in a training camp. Do you feel like Josh McDaniels sensed a need of urgency to be able to get this team to rise to different levels and facing two teams, a, a high caliber within the off season? Well, yeah, it's interesting because I think the more real good looks you can get against a quality opponent as opposed to just yourself in this August period, I think the better off you're going to be, right? I mean, it's not going to hurt you in any way um, to go against somebody else and see where your flaws might be, you know, what your weaknesses might be, where your strengths might be too. So you can start to play toward those a little bit more as you get ready for week one. But I mean, it's funny, you know, you mentioned Marcus Peters and I don't know that there's really like bad blood between Marcus Peters and the Rams, but I was covering the Rams when Marcus Peters first got there in 2018. And I can tell you, I mean, just from his demeanor, you know, this is a guy that I don't want to say takes everything personally, but because, and, and I don't mean that in a negative way, but it's not like he's going to forget all of the things that happened and that transpired that, you know, got him to be traded to the Baltimore Ravens when they brought in Jalen Ramsey. And then obviously the Rams, they go on and they win the Super Bowl. But it, it's interesting because there are still a lot of people that are behind the scenes or on the coaching staff that were there when Marcus Peters was there, I mean, Aubrey Pleasant just came back. He was uh, gone for a, a time and went to a couple different places. Now he is back with the Los Angeles Rams as a secondary coach. So that's somebody that Marcus Peters knows very well. I would not be surprised to see those two guys jawing at each other a little bit. Not that they'll be on exactly the same field because offense and defenses are on different fields, but there are things like that. And, you know, you might jaw a little bit with Sean McVay as well, just because it's the head coach and it's another player that they, you know, went back and forth. With, the, uh, with each other a lot, you know, when they were together. So it's going to be interesting. And, you know, frankly, as somebody who lives in Los Angeles, that is one of these things that I'm very much looking forward to because <laughs> one team might not get me to a training camp practices, but two teams, absolutely. I would love to see that. So I do plan on being there and it should be a, a fun and interesting comp competition because look, I mean, I, you bring up, you know, the Rams versus the 49ers and, you know, how they are in terms of being competitive. The Rams are not expected to be as competitive as the 49ers this year. And I think that the Rams could be better than, you know, people might think, you know, exceed that over under win total because of how good Sean McVay is as a coach. Um, and if they fix their offensive line and guys stay healthy, they, they should be better because they're going to be able to score points. He's that good of a schemer, but the Rams are not the Rams that they were in 2021. They're not the Rams that they were in 2020 when they finished number one in the league in defense, right? They are not who they were in 2018 when they went to the Super Bowl in McVay's second year. So th this is an up and coming Rams team, let's call mm -hmm, it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think, 
that kind of puts them on more of the same plane as the Raiders, right? This is still an up and coming Raiders team. And so even though you've got one coaching staff that's been there and been more established than the other, it, they're, they're kind of in the same cycle in terms of building their teams up. Um, so it, it will be interesting to see what those two teams can do against one another. For sure. And you mentioned Marcus Peters there and we did discuss him a little bit, but the newest uh, or late, the first, excuse me, depth chart is out for mm-hmm. the 2023 Raiders. Marcus Peters, no surprise. Um, one of the top on the cornerback chart next to Nate Hobbs. Um, when I'm looking down just the chart itself, I see the rookie Jacorian Bennett coming in um, just right under Nate Hobbs on the depth chart, surpassing some of the guys who had been there last season, like Sam Webb and Amik Robertson, Ike Brown, Tyler Hall. You know, what do you make of this rookie whose name has been popping up is making all kinds of waves and being very physical in training camp? Yeah, it's interesting, Heidi, because I mean, obviously, when I don't get to see it, it's you, you got to read a lot of stuff and you got to try to keep up as much as you can. And so it is sure. interesting to me when you see somebody like Bennett and his name pop up a time and time again and again and again. And you're not just seeing it from one reporter, right? You know, you're seeing it from constantly from different people who are out there at Raiders practice every day. And so when you have somebody who's that young and is flashing in that way, that usually bodes well. Now, does that mean that everything is going to translate and there won't be rookie moments and all that kind of stuff? No, (laughs) it certainly doesn't. But I think literally just from the perspective of, hey, if somebody's flashing that much and it's not like, you know, you don't have inexperienced eyes as beat reporters on that Raiders beats, one of the better beats in the league, I think, you know, you understand that people have seen things before that indicates that this actually might be something. So I think that that is pretty encouraging. If you go out and you read all this stuff that's coming out from Vegas about Bennett, you know, I, I think that that bodes well. And it also was good that you've added somebody like a Marcus Peters who has been in the league for as long as he has and has seen the things that he's seen and he's made the plays that he's made because he can pass along some of that knowledge to these younger guys. And that may be sometimes a bit of an overrated aspect, but I don't know. I mean, Mike Tomlin of the Steelers talks about it a lot where you have that mentorship and you have you know one generation kind of passing things down to the next. That's why they wanted Patrick Peterson um, for their secondary in Pittsburgh. And it's something that he's been able to do by all accounts um, out, of, out of Steelers camp. So that's one of those interesting things where if you can get those older guys in the secondary and have them start kind of start training the younger guys a little bit too, that does, you know, have a positive effect on your team. For sure. I want to take a deeper look here at the depth chart when we come back on the Takeaways podcast with Heidi Fang and Miles Simmons. Vegas, get in on the sports betting action and get on the STN Sports app. With 14 convenient sign-up locations across town at Station Casinos, Wildfire, and El Cortez, you're only a few minutes away from getting started, no matter where you are in town. With a huge menu of betting options and points back on your bets, STN Sports is the strongest betting app out there. Coming back here on the Takeaways edition of the Vegas Nation podcast brought to you by Station Casinos, STN Sports. Let's take a look now, Miles, at the offensive line because 
nothing changed really. And mm-hmm. I'll be honest, um, you know, the competition that we've seen so far, right guard, um, Alex bars for now settling in at that spot. I, I thought maybe he would be one of anybody that would have more competition at his spot. Um, especially Clint McClendon Curtis coming in, um, but so far, he seemed to hold him off. You know, this, of course, always a preliminary look at the depth chart. It doesn't mean it's set in stone for the start of the season. But yeah. what are your thoughts on the O-line really not changing at all? Well, I mean, when you have an offensive line that basically produces the league's leading rusher, what do you really want to do, right? But have that group have more continuity um, and maybe get a little bit better at pass blocking. So those are the kinds of things where I look at it and I say, all right, that makes sense to me. You know, you want this group to continue to grow together. It's one of the few groups uh, in any position group on, you know, a football team that you want to say, all right, well, this group has to be better than the sum of its parts, right? And I think continuity is one of the ways where you can have that continue to happen. But when you have somebody like Colton Miller who has become a really effective left tackle in this league, and that's where things start for you, that's good. Andre James, I mean, he's somebody that has really emerged as a good center over the last couple of years. And I mean, and I remember, you know, when it was 2019 and he was coming in as an undrafted rookie and he was basically being converted to center, right? So this is something that also is good for that group. But if you have that group with that continuity, I think that's a really positive thing. As we're looking at this depth chart, though, Heidi, and I mean, you know, we can talk about depth charts and they're unofficial and it's this and it's that. What's interesting to me is this tight end position because, I mean, as I've been talking about, you know, you hear a lot of different things out of Raiders camp. Yep. But Michael Mayer, right? He has been doing pretty well, right? I mean, and so when you look at Austin Hooper and he's listed as TE1, Mayer is TE2, do you see that as something that might actually change as things get further into it and you start looking toward week one? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, I think Michael Mayer, um, I think the only thing that possibly hindered him from being the one on that spot was just the uh, lack of availability in the beginning and not being a fully a hundred percent. So maybe they're holding him back a little bit until he's uh, got everything up to speed and really knows the ins and outs of the offensive playbook, because you and I both know as a rookie, when you come in and absorbing all of the information and somebody's playbook is intricate as McDaniels is, is I I feel like maybe he has a learning curve still in some of the verbiage or maybe a learning curve in some of the plays that have been drawn up and how specific they can be. And maybe Austin Hooper though, kind of, I guess you could say a journeyman, a tight ends of sorts, um, you know, has kind of maybe got a better grasp on that. And that would just be my first thought because watching him though, I have not been at camp as often as I have been in the past. I've got a few looks and watching Michael Mayer, I think he's doing everything right. And that, that to me is a little surprising as well. Yeah. It's interesting because I mean, obviously tight end is one of the hardest positions to transition um, from the college to the pro game when you have it like that. But Austin Hooper is a guy that has made plays 
for different teams right across this league. And he's been an effective tight end for a while. But anytime you're trying to replace somebody like a Darren Waller in the scheme, and I know Darren Waller hadn't been available for much of the last two seasons, and that is what it is. But he was still a guy that you had to make sure if you're a defense you're game planning for. You yep. want somebody dynamic at that tight end position, you know, especially when you have a Devontae Adams and yep. you know that he's got to be a guy that is good, that he's going to be a guy, I should say, that is going to keep defensive coordinators up at night. Well, it just can't be that guy, right? And until, unless and until Josh Jacobs shows up, how many other players do you really have to say, man, you know, this is a guy that we've got a game plan for. And it just seems to me that Mayer is one of those guys who can turn into that. And, you know, whether it's early on in the season or something that continues through the season, that's who you need him to be when you draft him that high. I mean, what do you think of that? Yeah, I think probably game three, maybe two, maybe even, I, I'm trying to get a grasp on it as well. Just like, I feel that yeah. perhaps after, if he gets enough reps, let's say in the preseason, because I do feel like we'll see him out there and he seems to really have a good handle on how it looks on the field and how it translates. And he's making all the right blocks and getting out there and all the right routes that perhaps it does switch by week one. But mm -hmm. like we said, preliminary and all that, perhaps it just needs, he needs some time to really absorb, to really get after it, to really learn. And then once he's got the real time reps, we'll see how he does. So there's got to be some reason at this point that they've put him there and that made that decision. My only one is just a lack of experience in the offense and really being able to grasp it. Like Austin Hooper obviously yeah. has the same amount of reps uh, and just, but the experience has probably helped him in that, in that look. And I think about it when I look at the wide receiver uh, depth chart. No real surprises there. Uh, Jacoby Myers has been an absolute standout to the point where I'm like, don't make that play. You don't have nothing to prove because he went out <laughs> and like did this one arm catch and then fell down hard on his wrist. And I was like, e <laughs> you know, like you don't gotta, you don't gotta try so hard. We know what you made of, but I mean, that's just like Devonte Adams, you know, that's the level at which they operate. And I feel like, that's something that perhaps Austin Hooper's bringing to the table at this point that Michael yeah. Mayer is chasing. So um, just moving on from that, I, I'm not surprised either with the running back um, lineup with Zamir taking over likely the one-two reps with Amir on the third downs. Um, Jakob Johnson, obviously the only fullback on the roster, but going into the defense and I, I look at as much as the O-line didn't change, the D-line didn't change. You have Bilal mm. Nichols, Jerry Tillery, Max Crosby, Chandler Jones. Now, this was a group when I feel like towards the end of the year and Jerry Tillery was playing clean without any, you know, bonehead penalties that you have a, a decent enough defensive line. But I've always been a little bit, I guess, just set back on the amount of pressure that they were able to create. And I'm wondering if the end of the season was enough of a look at what you can expect, like what you said, Miles, with consistency uh, in a line, like as much as the O-line is looking to get consistency, do you feel like that was the thought process and the D-line being pretty much the same? Yeah, it could have been. And look, whenever you have somebody like a Max Crosby, who is one of the best edge rushers in the league, things are going to be built kind of around him. Now, I don't know exactly what the Raiders are going to get from Chandler Jones this year, right? You need more consistently out of him. 
And I think everybody knows that. I think he knows that. And Chandler Jones was somebody that, you know, kind of started to come on at certain different points. But like I said, it's got to be consistent because Chandler Jones has been one of the league's best edge rushers as well for years and years and years. I mean, I watched him play with the Cardinals for years and he would wreck shop all the time. And so you need that guy to be that guy for you every single week. And if you play him against Max Crosby and those guys are playing off of each other very well and Patrick Graham is scheming things up very well week to week, then that should help you. And that's really why you don't need to make too many adjustments. However, you know, when you have somebody also in a Tyree Wilson that you hope can come in sooner mm-hmm. than later, right? I mean, yes, he's still recovering. Yes, he's still on NFI, and that's not his fault. You don't want to put him out there um, before he's ready. But that's one where you hope that he can start to emerge as a good pass rushing option, if nothing else, right? Maybe Chandler Jones is then the first and second down guy. And, you know, when you get into the known passing situation, you insert Tyree Wilson either along the line, you know, in inside, or maybe Chandler Jones bumps down inside. I don't know exactly what it needs to be, but, you know, you hope that Patrick Graham can scheme something like that up so that you're getting more of a rush presence to influence and affect quarterbacks in a negative way, because they, they definitely need to do that from the Raiders standpoint. And then lastly, the linebacker um, grouping, I wanted to take a quick look at because you have divine Diablo being your green dot middle linebacker guy, taking over where Denzel Perryman left off Um, Robert Spillane, whom they took from the Steelers and uh, Luke Masterson, the undrafted free agent who made the team last year coming in Mm -hmm. uh, outside linebacker spot. So what do you make of this grouping being that that's been a position, I think, of con- you know, when you look at it, that the Raiders have really needed to try to find consistency at and pr- improve upon from last year? It's interesting that you see linebackers and, you know, you see the first depth chart and it doesn't have a nickel corner on it. Instead, you have two outside linebackers and no linebacker and probably a good 70% of the time, at least at this point, I mean, if not higher, and I, I think I'm lowballing that at this point, you're not going to have three linebackers on the field. You're just not, because that's not really the way the league's going, especially with the prevalence of three wide receiver sets. So to me, the more interesting thing is, is it going to be Spillane as your usual outside linebacker, or is it going to be Masterson as your usual outside linebacker with Divine Diablo in, in those nickel sets where you have three Great cornerbacks point. and two linebackers? And so, I mean, that's something that, you know, I'm interested in seeing once the Raiders come out here and they're um, going against the Los Angeles Rams in practice, because who are going, who is going to be those two linebackers that you can really rely on to play sideline to sideline. I think we've seen enough from Diablo to understand that that's, he's one of those guys that you can rely on, on defense. Um, at least that the Raiders will try to rely on, on defense, but <laughs> who is the other, you know, that is going to be out there mm-hmm. for the majority of the time in those sets. And that's what the Raiders have to figure out. All right. There you have it from Miles Simmons this weekend, Sunday, check out Vegas nation as we'll keep you up to date with everything happening in preseason with the 49ers and the Raiders here at Allegiant stadium. We'll be out there as well as usual with the crew, making sure to keep you all covered. So check out VegasNation.com. Find me on Twitter at Heidi Fang and miles at miles. A Simmons miles. Thank you so much for the time today. Of course, Heidi, happy to do it. Thank you. And thank you everybody again so much for tuning in. 
Vegas Nation podcast are sponsored by Station Casinos, STN Sports. Sign up for the app today and get a bonus of up to $500.